0: Good morning, Chapel Hill. It is great to see all of you who are gathered with us in person. Welcome to church. It sure makes a difference, doesn't it? Singing together, praying together, it's really, really good. For those of you who aren't able yet to be with us, we welcome you at home as we are meeting with you virtually. I'll bet some of you will join us next week because next week our nursery program resumes, so we're going to be able to take care of the little ones as well. So here we go. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. You know, I've been on this earth more than six decades and I'm still amazed at how impatient I can be at times, particularly when I'm stuck in rush hour traffic in Fife on the way home. Anyone can relate to that? I just hate that area. And here's how it typically goes for me. I'll be in one lane creeping along and I notice that the lane to the right of me is moving oh so slightly faster. That's all I need. And so I'll dash over into the other lane and of course the minute I'm into that lane, the one that I was in begins to speed up and all these cars that I've worked so hard to pass are now passing me by and so I'll grumble and growl and I'll dash over into the previous lane and the whole thing starts all over again. Any of you ever been there? Yes. I, uh, if I had just stayed right where I was in the first place, I would have probably made better progress and I would have been a whole lot less frazzled. But I don't like to wait. I like to keep moving. No one likes to wait. No one likes to wait. We don't like waiting on the highway. We don't like waiting at the airport. We don't like waiting at the doctor's office. We don't like waiting for test results to return, do we? And waiting is a part of life, a part of life that actually God uses to shape and to train us. And we've certainly been in a season of waiting as a result of COVID. For five months now, we have been waiting for this plague to be lifted, and it looks like we're not quite done. It may be another five months. It might be a year. We don't know. Of course, it could be worse. It could be 40 years, because that's what Israel faced. 40 years they faced waiting and wandering in the wilderness as the Lord did His work in them. So we are in a series called Weight Training. Where we are learning from the Israelites, sometimes from their bad example, how it is that God uses our seasons of waiting to shape us and prepare us and equip us for the work that He wants us to do. A couple of weeks ago, we were reminded that God hates whining, and it's not a very productive way to spend our time. Last week, Gunnar reminded us of the call to live simply in a season of waiting. Simple living is a good way to go. Today, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the roles that God calls us to play, even in a time of waiting. In fact, especially in a time of waiting and crisis. And to uncover those those roles, these principles, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 17. You'll see it on your screen. Exodus chapter 17. This is the word of the Lord. Listen up. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua... So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great story. Now, God may it turn from being a story that inspires or entertains us into being uh, principles that can truly change us. And we ask your spirit to do that work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we've been seeing over the last few weeks, the people of Israel did a lot of whining along the way, didn't they? Usually it was whining about things like what they're going to eat or what they were going to drink, in spite of the fact that the Lord was taking care of all of their needs. Well, when we come to this morning's story, Now they really have something to whine about, because they have run into the Amalekites. How many know the phrase "blindside"? You know what it means? It means someone sneaking up on you when you're not not knocking you down when you're when you're not looking. I asked my my Friday life group uh, to to talk about if they if they'd ever been blindsided. One of the guys uh, was a college football player and he talks about the time he was on a kickoff return team and he was up watching the ball as he was running down the field and he got cold cocked by some guy that he didn't see coming so bad that he just kind of dizzied and wandered himself off of the field onto the bench. Another man that that was in my group was a Navy pilot. And he told of a time that he was on a mission, when suddenly he realized he was being attacked from behind, and the shells were striking closer and closer. He pulled hard right, he saw the explosions coming closer and closer to him, and then at the last second he pulled up, just as that last shell exploded right beneath his plane where he had been only moments before. Blindsided. Well, the Amalekites were blindsiders, that was their expertise. They were a nomadic tribe that uh, made their living by sneaking up on caravans from behind, attacking them from the back, and stealing all of their goods. And that's what they did in the story that we just read. We know that because later on, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, tells us a little more detail about what these sleazy Amalekites did. Here's what Deuteronomy tells us. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you. And he did not fear God. The Amalekites didn't attack from the front. They snuck up from the back. And they picked off the stragglers, the women and the children and the elderly. As Deuteronomy says, they cut off their tail. And it was a despicable and cowardly attack. And God says to Moses, don't you dare stand for this. You go get him. I think, as I'm looking at the story, I, I think that this is, a, is exactly the way that the, our spiritual enemy, the devil, attacks us. Don't you? He, he doesn't come from the front. He doesn't come head on. He's too cowardly for that. And so he sneaks up on us when we are weak and weary and discouraged and, and alone. And he picks us off. One at a time. This is one of the reasons that community is so important. It's one of the reasons I'm encouraging people every week please come back, please come back, please come back because we need to be together. We need to sing together and worship together and experience the blessing of community. There is strength in numbers, and in a season like this, we need to pull together and to provide encouragement and reinforcement against our spiritual enemy, who would like nothing better than to use this pandemic to divide and dispirit and discourage God's people. And we must not let that happen. We must not buckle. We must not surrender. We must stick together And in this story, I think it is revealed that there are different roles that we are called to play. Even in a season like this of waiting, when we are in spiritual attack, there are different roles that we are called to play. And I want you to find the role to which you are called this morning in the story. Here are the four options that I see. We lead, we lift, we fight, or we follow. All right? Say those out with me. We lead, we lift, we fight, or we follow. Some of us in this season are called to lead. Moses was their leader. He went up on that hill where all of the people, including his troops, could see him. And he lifted his hands to the Lord. Maybe he, maybe he was lifting them in prayer. Maybe he was lifting them in blessing and benediction. But the upraised arms of their leader inspired those who were in battle. So much so that when his arms began to droop, the troops became discouraged and began to fade because they were looking to their leader for encouragement. One of our maxims around Chapel Hill, and you can ask any of the staff, is this. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And as we wait through this critical moment, we need leaders. We need people who will step forward, who will step up who will stick out their necks, who will say unpopular things and sometimes risky things, who will cast vision and offer encouragement and rally the rest of the troops. We need leaders in this moment. Now you might say, well, that was Moses. Moses was the great Jewish leader. I'm no Moses. And if you say that, you might forget that at first Moses was no Moses either. Remember? I mean, he he was timid and uncertain and reluctant. An 80-year-old man out in the middle of nowhere, he would have been content to tend his sheep for the rest of his life. But God had other plans for him, and he called him and he, he equipped this unlikely man to become the great emancipator. And of course, it wasn't all smooth sailing. We know that Moses made mistakes along the way. And we also know that the criticism never stopped. The whining never stopped. And frankly, this is just one of the inevitable responses to strong leadership. You're always going to make some people unhappy, and they're going to tell you about it. But it's the price you pay when you rise to God's call to lead. I wonder if God is raising up a new crop of leaders here in the midst of COVID at Chapel Hill. You don't like what's going on in the schools this fall? Well, you can whine about it or you can step forward and do something. You can protest. You can launch a co-op. You can rally parents. You don't think the governmental mandates are fair? You can whine about it, or you can do something. Send letters. Start a petition. Campaign for your favorite, your favorite candidate. Run for office yourself if you think you can do better you're feeling isolated step up and lead a life group we've got a burgeoning call for life groups and we need other leaders maybe this is your moment to finally step out of the shadows one woman came to my office this week and she feels a prompting from the lord to do more to train and empower the under-resourced people in our community and she is willing to lead the charge good for her how about you Is God stirring you up to offer leadership in this season? If so, pay attention to that prompting. They come and then they're taken if you don't receive it. Receive that call and you can count on the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to fill you, equip you, and gift you, and inspire you to do the thing He's calling you to do. How did Moses lead in that moment? Well, he lifted his hands. He lifted his hands, just as we do at the end of our service, by the way. He lifted his hands in prayer. He lifted his hands in intercession to God on the behalf of his people. And when the men saw this, they were inspired and they conquered. Isn't this a, a vivid image of the power of prayer? Think about it. God couldn't could have done it any way he wanted to. God had already won great battles in Egypt without the Israelites lifting a hand. God didn't need them to beat the Amalekites that day, but God chose to link his power to the prayer and the worship of his people. And that is actually amazing. The sovereign God of the universe, for some reason, he hears our prayer and our prayers move the hand of God. In other words, when we pray stuff happens that might otherwise not happen we had a powerful prayer time last tuesday kingdom come prayer and and i'm telling you the spirit was moving through that place we had people that were weeping at the movement of the spirit and it was a good turnout for a tuesday night and short notice but i couldn't help but wonder why weren't we all there why weren't we all there do we as a people believe that our nation is in trouble? Do we as a people believe that the church of Christ is under attack? Do we believe as a people that intercession matters, that prayer changes things? Do we or not? And if we, ought, if we do, then we ought to pack this place out. and We'll just have to figure out how to be socially distant and do both those things at the same time. The next opportunity is September 15th. Jot it down right now. The next kingdom come prayer of night. Tuesday, September 15th. You save that time and you come and you join us and let's entreat the Lord. Let's raise our hands up to the Lord that he might do a great work in this season of waiting. So maybe you're called to wait, to lead to in, as we wait in this moment. Maybe you're called to lead. Maybe you're called to lift. Moses stood on that hill, arms in the air, interceding for the troops. And as you know, when they were up, the troops prevailed. But Moses was an old man. He was probably about 90 at this time. And his staff was heavy. Just imagine if you just held your arms up for hours at a time. Every time his arms sagged, the troops faltered. It turns out Moses couldn't do it alone, as great a leader as he was He was too tired, he was too weak, and he needed someone to lift him up. And he had just the men to do it. Aaron and Hur stepped up. They rolled a rock underneath him so he could sit down and rest. And then one got on one side of him and the other got on the other side. And they lifted their arms up until the victory was won. I love that image. Moses there and these two great leaders lifting him up so that that victory might be won. How desperately we need lifters in this moment. And I feel this passage very personally. I can think of people in this church, especially elders, who have stepped up to me over the years when I've been down or discouraged or felt beaten. And they have taken hold of my arms and they have lifted them when I could not lift them myself. And you know who you are you have been such a gift to me and you have been such a gift to this ministry. And it is a great reminder that no leader can possibly bear the burden of leadership alone. So maybe God is calling you to be a lifter, an encourager, to step alongside and to speak a word of affirmation and to help bear a load that would otherwise be crushing. One of my elders pointed out, listen, we all ought to be lifting our church up in prayer. I couldn't agree more. But there are some of you who have a particular call to intercession, a particular call to encouragement and empowerment. And if that is you, this is your moment to step up. We need you to lift, to be lifting. So some of us are called to lead. Some of us are called to lift. Some of us are called to fight. This is the first time we meet a guy named Joshua. First time he's mentioned. And we know, of course, that Joshua is going to go on and become the beloved assistant of Moses, the trusted assistant. He's going to go on and be the one that'll lead the people into the promised land after Moses dies on Mount Nebo. But here in this moment, he's just a young, tough, brave, young buck. And Moses says, Joshua, we need to deal with the Amalekites. Can you take care of them for me? And it was like saying, sick them to a dog. He was ready to fight. I hosted a men's baby shower for our son, Cooper. We're two months away from our granddaughter being born. And some of Cooper's buddies came along, uh, including a young man named Elias. Elias is a brand new police officer in the city of Seattle. Exactly my response when I heard it. And when I heard him say that, I was shocked. The last place I want to be a cop would be in the city of Seattle, unless it was in the city of Portland. But Elias is excited. He's ready to hit the streets. He's ready to fight for justice to protect citizens. And I am glad that we have people like that who are ready to step up and fight for us if necessary. Aren't you? And we need the same in the kingdom's work. Perhaps you'll do spiritual battle as an intercessor, agonizing before the Lord upon your knees. Perhaps you're called to, to be at the point of the spear in a, a difficult church matter or in a, in a work of reconciliation or a difficult work of intervention. Perhaps you feel the, the call to tackle some thorny social issue carrying out a vision of your respected leader. At times, we need hard-nosed, courageous warriors who are ready to step up against bat- and do battle against evil and injustice for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. And God knows there's plenty of evil and injustice in this world. I also see something generational in this story that I have to call out. Moses and Aaron and Her. by this time they were old men. Their fighting days were well behind them but they could still lead. They could still inspire. They could still pray. They could still guide. And Joshua was young and strong and fearless, maybe a little reckless, and he was ready to be turned loose. Those generations needed each other, and they depended on each other. We still need each other, but I don't know how well we're doing at this in this season. I've seen these generation gaps over the decades of my life. There's always squabbling going on back and forth. But there's something particularly toxic and caustic about this right now. Bo- boomers are quick to criticize millennials as entitled or, or lazy. And millennials are quick to criticize boomers as selfish and materialistic. But beloved, we need each other more than ever. I'll tell you, as a boomer, I love my millennial teammates If you cast a vision for these young people, they will work their hearts out for it. We, all of us, every generation of us, are in this together, and we will be most effective for the work of Christ when we welcome and honor and seek to understand one another. So we can lead, we can lift, we can fight, or maybe you're called to follow. Joshua only chose a few men to fight that battle. The rest of the people were watching and waiting, and I'm sure they were doing so with some anxiety. This is the first armed conflict they have experienced since they left Egypt. The brutality of the Amalekites, I'm sure, would have been quite terrifying to them, and frankly, it might have been very tempting for them to turn tail and to run, run back to Egypt. Go back to the place where it's safe. Sure, it means slavery for you, but at least you're safe, right? I think we are being reminded today about how much people are willing to forfeit for the sake of safety. God help us. God help us if we're not willing to stand up and risk safety for the sake of things that are of higher value to us. So the Israelites could flee or they could freeze. Sometimes people just freeze up. They're faced with a crisis. They don't do anything. They just wait. They hope things will get better. Just stick their head in the sand and try to ignore the conflict. It never works. Or you can do what the Israelites actually did. They waited. They watched. They prayed. And ultimately, they followed. They followed their God-appointed leader, Moses. Now, I want to tell you this. There's nothing passive about being a great follower. Most of us are followers, and all of us at some time are going to be followers. We need good followers, good, godly, and faithful followers. But then the question, of course, is whom do we follow? Jesus once said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And there, of course, is the secret, isn't it? To make sure that we are following Christ and those whom He has called and who are speaking His word truthfully and faithfully. Thoughtful, prayerful, discerning followers are a great gift. They're not lemmings, they're not sheep. They weigh carefully what they're being told and then when they are certain it is of the Lord, they put their shoulder to the wheel. They join in. Followers cannot move forward without leaders, lifters, and fighters, but without the support of godly discerning, courageous followers, we up in the front can never accomplish anything that God wants us to do. We need each other. So leader, lifter, fighter, or follower, to which role is God calling you in this moment? And I want to remind you, sometimes our roles change. Sometimes we start here and then suddenly, to our amazement, we discover that God has a new appointment for us, something that we feel utterly ill-equipped for, frightened of, inadequate to. And the Lord says, that's all right. I am fully equipped, fully adequate, and I'm going to take care of this for you. And so I want us to pray together. I would like to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would clarify in your own mind what it is that God is calling to you, you to do in this season of waiting. Maybe you're being called to be a leader, or a lifter, or a fighter, or a follower. But I'm going to ask that the Spirit would confirm that and And empower us to accomplish that, all right? To do that, I'd ask you to just do what we do here. Take your hands, open them up, put them here in your lap like this, just like you're receiving a gift, and let's ask again for the filling of the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do, all right? Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come upon this place in a a new, fresh, and powerful way. Here we are, your children, seated in this sanctuary, seated in our homes around this region, And we open our hands up as a sign of our willingness to receive. First of all, to receive your calling. What is it you are asking us to do, Lord? Are you calling us to lead? Are you calling me to lift? Are you calling me to fight? Are you calling me to follow? I pray that each person would offer that question up to you and that you will answer it, Holy Spirit. And then, Spirit, I pray that You would take that surrendered heart and fill it to overflowing with your power, your courage, your peace, your grace, your gifts, so that whatever it is that you are calling us to do, we will be ready for it because of your sustenance. Fill us, sustain us, overwhelm us with your good and and powerful love that we might be the people you have called us to do. God, we don't know how much longer we are going to be waiting in this season. But what we do know is this, we don't want to waste a moment of it. And whatever it is you want us to do in this season and beyond, God, we want to be your people. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would clarify our part in that great mission and that you would do it all for the sake of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.